Good morning, family. My name is Eddie. I'm the lead pastor here. It's good to be with you. Well, I, I first wanted to say a few things about what we're doing in the community. I just wanted to thank you if you've been a part of all of our efforts to to reach out to those in our community. The the food pantries in our area have actually gotten low, and so we have we've been trying our best to to collect food. And if you've donated, thank you so much. If you're interested in donating, there's still time. There's always time. Um, but I want to thank you, family, for caring for our community. Well, yesterday we delivered. I think several hundred bags of, of uh, well, there, there were empty bags with a flyer in it to some of the neighborhoods in our community in the Sterling area. And the goal was to invite others in our community to take part in this, this process of giving our resources. So we're going to be collecting next week in partnership with Mobile Hope. Uh, if you got a bag and, and you uh, are going to give, thank you so much. Uh, if you're not going to give, no, no pressure. But, but we want to thank you, everyone who, who has taken a bag and, and is going to give uh, resources. If you didn't get a bag, you can still donate. We're still collecting a lot of resources on, on Tuesdays and Fridays at our Ridgetop office from 12 to 3. And, and that's non-perishable items, really anything that you can bring that can help uh, people in need. Uh, in addition, I just wanted to encourage you to stay connected. I said this last week, but, but it's really important that you stay connected. This is a moment in time where it's easy to get isolated. I mean, in many ways, there's, there's a lot of isolation that's been foisted upon us, and, and we're doing it for the sake of safety, but that doesn't mean that we have to be alone. That doesn't mean that we have to carry the weight of this period of time alone. So I want to encourage you to stay connected. You can join in a small group. We still have a lot of small, group go, small groups going on, and you can, you can email sterling at gracecub.org to find out more about those. You can go to our website, gracecub.org slash sterling, and you can stay connected. Now, as I said, over the past few weeks, we've been partnering with uh, various organizations, and, and really, we've had a lot of opportunities to see what it looks like to partner with God in the gospel. Now, up to this point, we had had moments to share the gospel, and, and we had reached out to our community in Sterling and, and Ashburn and, and all the surrounding areas, Herndon, Reston. But, but especially as of late, we have a lot, we've had a lot of opportunities to, because open doors have been presented to us, to share the gospel as we pray and give and go into our community. And so we've been able to see what it looks like to be motivated, motivated by gospel love, by love that, that God pours out on us because of uh, what we've experienced in the gospel and take that love to others in our community and share that with them, both with meeting their physical needs uh, of, of, of food and resources, toiletries, etc., as well as being able to share the gospel and tell people what God has done on their behalf in creation. And so today I wanted to talk about, I wanted to look at a passage where where Paul really speaks to this idea of partnering with God in the gospel. We want to look and see what it looks like to have a lifestyle of partnership with this gospel. So if you'll join me, I'm going to be in Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to look at verses 3 through 6. That's Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. It says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making, uh, sorry, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you finish what you start. And we thank you that, that when we partner with your gospel, when we trust in you, Jesus Christ, and then live a life that reflects that trust in our behavior and the way we spend our money and the way we use our resources, when we do that, Lord, uh, it gives us an assurance of your work in us. And we thank you, God, that when we partner with you, we have the opportunity and the privilege of, of encouraging those around us, of being a cause for thanksgiving, for, for fervent prayer, and for joy. And God, I pray that you would be with us and speak to us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, we see that Paul is, is writing to the Philippians, and, and this is a unique church for him. He, he loves all of his churches, and he will say so in all of his letters, whether it's First or Second Corinthians, or it's uh, Galatians, or Ephesians. But, but this, this church in particular has a special place in his heart. They had partnered with him in a lot of different ways. Uh, we see in Second in Corinthians, he's writing to another church, and he's, he's encouraging this other church, the Corinthian church, to give for the sake of, of, of another church in need. And he's, he's asking them to par- participate in this giving, to really partner with it. And this is how he, he encourages them. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, the church in Macedonia, that's, that's synonymous with the Philippians. And so what he was saying was, hey guys, I want you to consider the Philippians who they, they are under affliction, they are, they're considerably uh, poor, they don't have a lot of resources, and yet they're filled with joy and they gave beyond their ability. And so we see that this was a church that was sacrificial in their giving. They believed in the mission that, that Paul had. They believed in the gospel, that the gospel needed to go out, and they were willing to put their money where their mouth was. This was an amazing church. Not only were they willing to give to other churches, they, they were willing to care for, for Paul himself. It says, if, if we were to keep reading in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, he speaks of this guy, Epaphrodites. Epaphrodites. And uh, if you look at verse 25 of chapter 2, he says this, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother uh, and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. So Paul is in prison in this, in this letter, and so the Philippians had sent some sort of gift with Epaphrodites, and Epaphrodites comes basically as a messenger to Paul from the Philippians of their love for Paul. And so he says to them, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites. Epaphrodites ends up getting sick, and the Philippians are worried, and Epaphrodites is worried for their worry. It's a very loving relationship. And so Paul sends him back and and is excited to do so because he is well, he's not ill any longer. And he says, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and then listen to this, your messenger and minister to my needs. The Philippians had so partnered with Paul that they were willing to give on his behalf. They were willing to meet his needs. And, and in many cases, I think it was in, in fact, they were some of the only ones to do so. They had partnered with him. 
Now, this word partnership, uh, in the Greek, it's a word that, that's sometimes translated as fellowship, and it's sometimes treated as this idea of getting tether, get together and, and Christians loving one another, and certainly that's part of it. But as we see from the way that Paul uses this, partnership is not just a friendly relationship. It's not just this idea of, uh, I like you, you like me, we, we have the same sort of set of, of goals. But no, they, they saw Paul's mission as his mission, as Paul's needs, as, as their needs. They were loving Paul and loving his gospel mission as though it was their own. They had a commitment that extended to sharing resources and putting, like I said before, putting their money where their mouth was. And, and as we reflect on this, one of the things I want to ask you is, what does your partnership look like? In your life, what are you partnered with? To put it another way, um, how do you spend your money? And this is not, I'm, I'm not trying to get into your business too much, but where your money is, the Bible says, there your treasure will be. And, and when, you, when you follow your money, you, you see the things that you value. You see the things that you're partnered with. And for some of us, it's, we're partnered with the gospel and we're giving towards the gospel. We're, we're supplying for people's needs. We're, we're sharing for missionaries. We're supporting campus ministers. We're giving and tithing and, and supporting the church. For some of us, we are giving a lot of money towards our comfort and you know, making sure we eat really well. And, and you know, I've certainly been uh, guilty of that. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with enjoying things, whether it's food or entertainment or these other things. But the question is, when we look at the, the overall picture of our money, our resources, our time, and how we spend these things, what does it say about how we've partnered? What does it say about how we've partnered? The Philippians had given beyond their wealth for the sake of the gospel. The Philippians had given sacrificially, and they've, they'd sought to, to supply uh, Paul's needs. Where are your partnerships? Their life exemplified Matthew 13:44. In Matthew 13:44, Jesus is telling some some parables and he says this. He he's talking about this guy who buys a field. It's one of the shortest parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, in a field which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You see, the, the person who, the man who sells all that he has and buys the field has recognized the value of the kingdom of heaven. And when you and I recognize the value of the gospel, when we recognize what God has done in the gospel and what he does through the gospel, all of a sudden our, our need to focus on our resources kind of reorients itself. What, what's most important changes and, and the way we spend money, the way we spend our time, the way we focus on our, our goals and our priorities, those things should shift. A partnership with the gospel is saying, I understand that this field is worth more than I have, and it's giving everything up for the sake of this gospel. It's giving everything up for the sake of following in Jesus and doing what he wants us to do. Have you recognized the value of the gospel? Now, the Philippians had, and, and so I want us to look at two things that result from their partnership with the gospel. So we recognize in, in verse 5 that they had a partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Really, that's this first day when, when kind of they were established until the moment now that he's talking about. And he says this in verses 3 and 4. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Now listen to how many times he uses the word all or every. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, 
always in every prayer of mine because of you all making my prayer with joy. Paul's making a point that he is thankful for them. He's thankful for them all. He's thankful for them all the times that he prays. He's thankful for them, all of them. There's there's this sense of complete um, joy and and, and thankfulness that's coming off the page. If you've ever given a little kid uh, something that they really wanted to, or wanted to have, it's the same sort of idea of you give this to this kid and, and they, they're, oh, thank you so much. And they give you a big hug and maybe they run around, they're super excited and they come back. And remember that time you gave me that thing? And, and there's this there's thankfulness that overflows. And that's kind of the thankfulness that, that Paul's exhibiting here. I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. What's interesting is that he thanks God for what's been produced in the Philippians now, he is certainly thankful to the Philippians for what they've done, and he, he expresses that throughout the letter, but, but he starts off by thanking God for what has been produced in the Philippians. And what we don't want to do is just assume that, oh, that's how Paul always enters or opens his letters. I thank God for this and this and this. No, he is, he is intentional in his wording, and he says, I thank God. And, and the neat thing is, if you see spiritual fruit in your own life, if you see spiritual fruit in your children's life or, or in your coworker's life or in the life of those that you disciple, that is evidence of God at work. If you're, if you're in a place and you're wondering, God, where are you? I'm not sure that I see you in my life. Look for fruit. Look for spiritual evidence. Look for opportunities to say, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Because God is at work. We see, when we see things like the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., rising in your life, it's evidence of the Spirit's presence at work in your life. When you're convicted of sin, when you, when you feel this guilt of sin that leads you to, to want to change your life and change your behavior because you've, you've, you've hurt the heart of God, that's, that's a sign that, that you have a spiritual heart that's beating, and it's a sign to give thanks to God. And so Paul says, always, I give, my, I give thanks to God in all my remembrances of you. So whenever he thinks of the, the Philippians, which is probably pretty often, whenever he thinks of them, he gives thanks. How many people in your life can you say, whenever I think of this person, I give thanks? Maybe there's some people in your life that you say, you know, whenever I think of this person, for the most part, I give thanks. But, but these individuals were so unique and so focused on the gospel that whenever he thought of them, he said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for these people. In every prayer for you, always in every prayer of mine, making my prayers for you all. He was thankful for all of them. And there, if you keep reading, there are some knuckleheads in here. There's some, some issues that he's having to deal with. And yet Paul's able to say, I'm thankful for all of you. Because he recognizes that even though there are challenges, even though there are, there are issues, God is still at work. And he's thankful to God for the work. And you may be in a situation where you're surrounded with some people that you know God's at work, but maybe there's some knuckleheads. Maybe there's some people who are, are causing problems. But, but with Paul, we can say, I thank God for all of you because we recognize that when God is at work, God is at work despite the fact that people are acting like knuckleheads, despite the fact that maybe there are challenges. And we can trust God to address those things. Whenever Paul thinks of this congregation as he's praying, he finds himself thanking God for them. Your, your partnership, your salvation, and, and your faithful walking out has the potential to be a cause for thanksgiving for those in your life. Let me say that again. Your life, your partnership with the gospel 
has the potential to be an opportunity for thanksgiving for the people around you in your life. Our salvation, and we do this so often where we, we reduce our walk with God to just me and God, but it was never intended to be that. Your walk with God and my walk with God and, and his walk with God and her walk with God, they, they're intended to do something for one another. In Hebrews, it talks about how we're supposed to encourage one another as long as it's called day and to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And here it says that, that we can cause others to feel thanksgiving for what God is doing. Your life matters not just for you. You can be a cause for thanksgiving in the lives of others. What a privilege. And he goes on to talk not just of, of the thanksgiving, but he talks about this, this gracious joy that he has. So look at the second part of verse 4. Well, I'll start in verse 3 again. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all of you, making my prayer with joy. Sometimes when we pray for people, we're not praying with joy because it's a, it's a pleading with God. Please fix this situation. Please help this person. Please bring this person out of this sort of uh, mire and muck. Please bring conviction to their life. But that is not the case of the Philippians. They are partners with the gospel. They are partners with God. And so when Paul thinks of them, he's saying, thank God, and he's filled with joy. You know, one of the neat things about about the gospel is that it, it, like many other things that we can enjoy, it, it doesn't overflow until we're able to share it. You know, we can be excited about something, but then there's this moment of being able to tell someone else, about, hey man, have you seen this thing? Have you tasted this food? Have you, have you experienced this, this roller coaster? There's a worship and praise that comes and happens. And for Paul, when he thinks about when he thinks about the Philippians, he's filled with joy to the point that he has to, he has to share it with them. I'm, I'm joyful. And he's, he says that he prays and he's always making his prayers with joy. Always in every prayer of mine, making my prayers with joy. You have the privilege not only of bringing thanksgiving, but bringing joy to the lives of others. As you partner with God, you have the opportunity of bringing joy to others. You know, I, I've seen this as we've been giving out um, supplies and, and in other places where we've been providing for people and helping people. I've seen the joy that, that can be brought when one is, is partnered, when a person is partnered with the gospel. When you partner with the gospel in such a way that your life reflects that, not just, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, I'm going to maybe read my Bible, and I'm going to maybe be a part of a small group. But no, when you reorient your, reorient your life so that your resources, your time, your energy, all of these things are being focused toward meeting the needs of others, towards being generous, towards being helpful. When you do that, you have opportunities to create and, and view and experience joy. And when we commit to God, in such a way that our love for him overflows into generosity, it brings joy to everyone. You have the privilege and the opportunity of bringing joy to others. Now, thanksgiving and joy are not the only results of this partnership as we see, as we continue on, we can look at verse six. We can also have this powerful confidence. So he says in verse five, uh, you know, I, I pray and I thank God because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he says in verse six, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now I want to point out some, some language here 
in verses 5 and 6, and this doesn't sound exciting, but it is exciting. He says in verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel, um, from this day, or sorry, from the first day until now. So he's saying, I'm thankful and I'm praying because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. Now in verse 6, it says this, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, and you can imagine kind of began in the beginning, a good work on you, will bring it to completion. And it says, at the day of Jesus Christ. But in, in the original language, that word at is the same word until that we saw in verse 5. So what we see is this kind of parallelism that, that Paul is trying to bring to us. And, and follow the flow with me. You've partnered with me, he says, in the gospel from the first day until now. And because of this, Paul knows that God has partnered in his work of redemption from the beginning until he brings it to completion. You see, when you partner with God, it doesn't cause God to do something, but it does evidence that God has begun something, right? I'm going to say this again. When you partner with God, we're not partnering with God in salvation. We're not adding something. We're not doing something and saying, God, you do your part. I'll do my part. No, God's salvation is wholly his, completely his. It's completely a sovereign work on his, behar- his part, and we just respond in faith. No, but, but what, what it does say is that when we respond from that beginning on, we can have a confidence that God has started something from the beginning on. And so he says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And, and why is he sure of this? He's sure of it because of what he said in verse 5, your partnership in the gospel. Again, the partnership that they had in the gospel, their response to the the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in faith that results in works of faith, all of that is an evidence. It proves, it shows that God is at work. When we listen to our heartbeat, when when you go to the doctor and the doctor listens to your heartbeat, the, the, the fact that the doctor hears your heart is not what brings you to life, but it is evidence that you're alive. And so in the same way, when we see this partnership expressed in giving and expressed in sacrificial service, it's, it's not what brings life, but it's something that evidences life. And so when we partner with the gospel, we evidence that God is at work in us. Now, family, are you in a place right now where you, you don't see God? Maybe you've looked at your life and you've been asking yourself, God, where are you? I see all these circumstances. I see this pain. I see these issues. I see the suffering. Where are you? Maybe instead of looking for God in your circumstances, you need to see God at work in your own life. Have you partnered with God in the gospel? And by that I mean, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And in response, have you lived out of that? Have you given sacrificially? Have you stepped out in faith and done something to serve others, to love others, to express the love that's been poured out on you by loving others? And if not, today's the day to respond. Today's the day to to remember what God has done, to respond afresh to what he has done, and then to love others freely. If you don't know, if you don't sense this heartbeat that I'm talking about, then ask God, pursue God, and, and, and do what, what the Philippians had been doing. When you trust in Jesus, you become a partner with the gospel. If, you, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you are a partner with his gospel. And you have, you've got a privilege to be a conduit of thanksgiving, of prayer, 
and of joy. You and I, we have the privilege of making people happy. We have the privilege of, of bringing joy into the lives of others. And we have this opportunity to experience this sanctifying, always perfecting, never quitting power of God. If you're looking for the power of God, you're, God, where I want to see miracles. I want to see change in my life. I want to see amazing things. Well, serve God. Partner with God. Sometimes instead of pursuing God, we pursue things that God gives us. Instead of pursuing the, the God, we pursue the miracles that God gives us. And, and what, what Paul is saying here is, no, you don't partner with miracles. You don't partner with stuff. You partner with God. And when you partner with God, these other things will follow. If you haven't done that, today is the day. Let me encourage you, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then, then today is the day for you to trust in him. Today is the day for you to recognize that, that your life is, is in need of something. That because of the, the brokenness and the sin in your life, that there's a need for God to do something. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. In the same way that Paul prays and thanks God for what's happening in the lives of the Philippians, we need to pursue God to see change in our own lives. And so the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins in our place, that he defeated Satan's sin and death by rising from the dead, and he, and he gives eternal life to anyone who trusts in him. And this eternal life that he gives is a life that begins now and invites you and me into a partnership with his gospel a partnership with him. If you'd like to do that, I just want you to pray. Say, God, I want to turn away from everything I know to be sin, and I want to turn to you. I want to trust in you, Jesus, to take away my sin and to give me new life. And I want to partner with this gospel. I want to live a life that evidences my faith and trust in you. I want to live a life that shows that you've started something and that you're going to complete it, that you're going to finish it. Lord, we thank you for the, We thank you for these individuals. If you, if you responded, I would love for you to, to reach out to one of the hosts in the chat room to email us at sterling at gracecove.org. Don't let this moment pass without finding ways to step further into this partnership, to see what it looks like for you to live a life that's, that's like the Philippians family, it's, it's so good. It's so good to be partners with God because that's what we were meant to be. It's so good to be partners with his gospel because that's what we're invited to be and that's what we were made for. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Help us today, help us this week to partner with you in such a way that, that we can be causes for thanksgiving, for joy, and at the same time, we can be confident of the work that you've started that you're going to complete. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, family, part of this partnership, as we've said over the last few weeks, is, is finding ways to care for our community. And so in this moment, we're gonna take up our benevolence offering. And this is an offering where, where all the proceeds are going towards feeding people, buying food, buying supplies, uh, personal protective equipment, you know, face masks and things like that, doing what it takes to support the people around us in need in order that we might be a light, that we, we might be salt, and that people might say, you know, there's something unique about, there's something unique about Grace Coming to Church Sterling. I want to find out more about what they believe and why they believe it. 
We are casting our seed wide. We're, we're, we're praying that God would draw people in so that they might experience real and new life. And part of that process is, is through our giving, is through our benevolence. So I would encourage you, if you're able, please consider giving. If you'd like to give, you can give in the form of a check. You can make it payable to Grace Covenant Church, and you can write Sterling, uh, uh, Sterling Benevolence in the memo. And you can send it to the address on the screen. Otherwise, you can give online at our website, gracecov.org sterling and press the give button, or you can give through our mobile app. But however you do it, I pray that you would give not just at, in a perfunctory manner, but because you've partnered with the gospel and you want to see your resources give uh, and, and encourage those around us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are good. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, we pray that you would take this offering and that you would multiply it for the sake of the people in our community to experience your love and then ultimately come into a saving knowledge of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, it is so good to be with you and I'm thankful for you. It's time to, to dismiss, but before we do that, I just want to say this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Family, you were loved by God, you were received by God, and you are amazing. You're awesome.